0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? What's up? Welcome to Talk Buffalo Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I don't know if you can hear any noise in the background right now, but this is another edition of the Finer Wings Club. Of course, that means, well, we're taping this on Tuesday night, but that means it's Wednesday for you listening. Tonight, we are at Beltline Brewery and Kitchen on Swan Street, downtown Buffalo. Joining me, I'll tell you, I've had you on the show a few times, but this is actually our first time. First time meeting. First time actually physically meeting each other. My man, Lance Lazowski from the buffalo news what's going on buddy how you nothing doing
2: nothing much hey good to be here this is my first time at beltline brewing i had heard of it i had tried their beer through cans but you know what heck of a spot love it down here
1: i i'm gonna be honest with you man i never heard of it until a couple of weeks ago now in fairness to me i've also been gone for five years so i got a lot of catching up to do
2: yeah one of one of the um you know everybody hears about resurgence then man the bigger but this is one of the other spots that i've, I've found over the last couple of years i i Great beer and uh, really looking forward to trying those wings.
1: Yeah, me too. We'll talk about those in just a minute. I'll I'll say this. When I said I never heard of this place, I only heard of it because of uh, so on Facebook, I belong to a couple wing groups, whatever you want to call them, Wing Coalition. I don't know what the hell they are, man. I just, I like anything I can, that's wings. And somebody posted a picture and I was like, oh these wings look pretty goddamn good, man. (laughs) And then I found out it was here at at Beltline. So I kind of Reached out to the owner. I said, what are these wings all about, man? And he told me a little bit about the place. And I said, you know what? I do this show. Um, I'm doing the Fighter Wings Club. I'm taping it with a bunch of sports media people, variously, you know, uh, every Tuesday night. I said, I'd love to come here and try it. So he said, yeah, man, we'll, we'll set you up with a table. And here we are. It's a chill place,
2: dude. Yeah, I wasn't sure what, what sort of food they had. But as soon as you told me you were coming here, looked at the Instagram, checked out those wings. Whew, and then Nate Jerry gave us a, a very positive recommendation yeah, he on did. Twitter. so Shout out to Nate for for, for delivering there. Um, yeah, no, it looks like a cool spot. It's a good location.
1: I've been, uh, so this, I got to be careful with my voice. We talked <laughs> about this just before we started taping. So this is the fourth edition of Final Wings Club. The first one I did at Mulberry, which, by the way, I, you've heard of Mulberry, yeah, right? Yeah,
2: it's, yeah.
1: Obviously I have. No. very well known for Italian food. Well, I'll tell you what, we went there. It was myself, Nate Carey, and Matt Marino, and the place was packed act and literally almost had to scream into a microphone to be able to get it picked up. So I was like in that loud podcasty voice. by the way, those wings, shockingly good, man. I've
2: heard nothing but good things about their wings. Everybody talks about the Italian food, but the wings, I got to get down there. I'm not in the South towns that often. You know, I don't cover the bills, so I'm not, I have no reason, but (laughs) I got to make the trip.
1: Well, I'll tell you, the the only problem with a place like that is there no, I mean, how do you go to a, a place established for Italian food is Mulberry and get chicken wings you know <laughs> you know what I'm saying chicken wings
2: are a meal despite what anybody says right. we know that
1: right now uh week 2 I did um Sports City Pizza Pub with Sal Carpaccio, a place that was I don't want to say it was similar it was similar in that they sell craft beers you know what I mean so it was kind of a brewery but aside from that it was a little more bigger more modern bar this is a and then last week Imperial Pizza which really good wings, but that's just, I mean, again, it was so loud, so that's why I said I'm trying to balance my voice right now, not to to speak, but I'm really, this is like a, I don't know how often, like, you haven't been here for all that long, but like, how often you get an opportunity to go out to these bars, but this is a really, uh, feels like a vibey place, if that, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, it's no, really comfortable. I'm so
2: comfortable. It in is. Right no, I mean, you got the big windows on the side here. You got a little outdoor seating. Um, it's not too small, but it's also not too big, right. which also helps with the noise. We love to see that. TV's important for the sports aspect of things. So it, it's got everything you're looking for.
1: Yeah, and by the way, what we're taping this on a perfect sun, summer night, man. They got, like, the garage half open, plenty of room seating out there. Yeah, this is a... This is a really chill vibe, but I'm looking forward to trying the wings. So, I mean, this is finer Wings Club. And when we take a break at some point, Lance and I are going to try wings. We got some 716 wings coming. And we got some, I I told you, Caribbean jerk. They're not Caribbean jerk. They're what Jamaican they? jerk. Okay. So they're Jamaican jerk, all dressed. I don't even know what that means, but I'm looking forward to finding out. <laughs> you know what that means? It's part all of the dressed. journey, right? Yeah, I thought I was a wing pro, but apparently I'm not. So, yeah, that's what we're having today. We're going to have some seven-one-six. And some, uh, some Jamaican jerk. I almost, Caribbean jerk is like totally in my mind right now. I I don't even know why, but, uh,
2: has to be similar flavors. I would imagine. (laughs) Same
1: region of the world. (laughs) (laughs) Let me ask you this, why we wait to eat here Of course, at at Beltline. So how settled in do you feel now? Because again, I've had you on the show a couple of times, new to the area last year was I mean, you were here and you worked, but it was kind of socially, at least for the most part of Wash, because COVID, I mean, nothing's open. Now everything's open. This is kind of like your your first, like, semi-normal go-round in Buffalo. Like, what have your thoughts been?
2: Um, It's been great. I mean, especially the last few months since life has returned to, quote, unquote, normal or as normal as we can expect under the circumstances. It's nice. Um, getting able to go out more. Uh, we've had beautiful weather for most of the summer. Um, work-wise, I mean that's been awesome just getting getting my you know getting comfortable on that beat and getting more used to you know developing sources sure knowing that team as well as I have but personally you know I, I live in Allentown now I'm gonna relocate to North Buffalo here pretty soon so um, more of the suburbs life but uh, really looking forward to it
1: what is uh what is it about North Buffalo that kind of caught your fancy I spent a lot of time when I was younger living in North Buffalo. I really liked it a lot. Uh,
2: I've been, I've been in Allentown for almost three years now and I just wanted to change and North Buffalo. I mean, I'm going to be moving close to hurdles. So just different, different type of atmosphere, different change, explore a different, a different side of things, be close to Delaware park. Um, being 31 years old, I think that's probably more my speed at this point than Allentown (laughs) and Although I think that some of my members, some of the members of the media will, will enjoy a trip to the pink every once in a while. I don't right. know if the pink is right. exactly my speed. So, no, it's it's going to be a good change.
1: Yeah. And, you know, speaking of my speed, this type of place is kind of like my speed, too. Like I said, it's really comfy and it's really vibey. You said it, it, it. It's small, but not too small. There's a lot of people here, but yet it doesn't feel too busy. It's not cramped and it's definitely not young I and mean, not a bunch of 21 year olds running around. Yeah, it
2: reminds me of a lot of the breweries that. <laughs> I would. I'll say only because I don't know how else to describe it. The smaller breweries that I've been to, which is honestly a compliment, because mm-hmm. it's it's more of like a quaint atmosphere, but it's also got a good look to it. Um, bar looks great. Um, I know their beer is good, so it's it's an awesome vibe.
1: Yeah, Lance is sipping on a what is it? A, a Sunday Show. A Sunday it's a New show? England IPA. Okay.
2: Yeah, it's called Sunday Show.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Now with wings, okay? You, when I, I remember when I first talked to you, I. I Think, I don't want to say for sure, but I think you might have only had Anchor Bar and Duff's. You? Yeah, the I did. At that point, I,
2: I did. You know what? I always have good... I will never say anything bad about Duff's because I've exper- I've enjoyed every experience I've had, and mm-hmm. I had Duff's for the first time the day of my job interview with the Buffalo News. So, only good memories attached to the Duff's.
1: What are a couple of... what? Because now you've been here for a while, yeah. so you've had, you've had at least enough places like what are a couple of your favorites
2: bar bill is absolutely my favorite gabriel's gate is also up there 911 tavern's good um what else do i had i like adolph's There's a great spot in the, in Dep- the first ward really Dep- like adolph's um what i don't want i don't want to name everywhere that i've gone but those are my favorites for sure those are the key favorites
1: bar bill i put up a, a tweet a couple of days ago and it kind of i think for the most part people agreed and do you agree? I said this. I said, Barbell is the new anchor bar, and what I meant by that was this. Yeah. I meant this is what I meant. Barbell has become the trendy place. It's become the True. the the really popular place. Like if I if I ask somebody, hey man, what are your favorite wings? More often than not, I hear Barbell. Or where you want to go? You know, when you get in the town, where to, where's the first place you're going to wings? A lot more people now will say Barbell, and that's for not just like Western New Yorkers, but also. People outside of Buffalo who come in—it used to always be Anchor Bar. Anchor Bar was a touristy spot. I almost feel like Barbell's kind of become the spot. Difference being is this: with all due respect to Anchor Bar, I'll never completely dis Anchor Bar because they are the OGs. You know what I mean? And you got to give them some respect. And I don't think their wings are terrible, like some people. A lot of, like a lot of local Buffalonians think like their wings are awful. I don't—I wouldn't go that far. They're not on the same level as other people. But anyway, my different—the difference to me is that Barbill is touristy and popular, but it's also really good. So it lives up to the height, you know?
2: Yeah, I think with Barbill, it's probably because they opened the second location, right? Um, when they just had the first location, yeah, it was a lot more difficult to get seating. So I think people sure. coming in out of town, they would go to somewhere that would be a little bit more accessible. Now they got the second location, which is phenomenal. Been yeah, to the second a, location as I well. haven't been there yet. It, it's it's good. Live, lives up. Um, obviously, um, the, wings, the, li- the wings are exactly as they are at the original location, but... And I I almost think that Gabriel's gate is sort of the same way especially like if I talk to people in the media or people who just come in to visit the Buffalo Gabriel's Gate's one of the places they try sure. because it's closer to downtown it's closer to the hotels so I think that I mean the beautiful place the beautiful thing about Buffalo when it comes to the food scene is there I mean, you can get great wings at a number of spots and I know that you've you've talked about it everybody who's from here will talk about it it you can name 15 to 20 spots that you know you're gonna get phenomenal wings at
1: that is absolutely the case and and i'll tell you this much like let's just use beltline right now for an example unlike the first three shows that i've done actually i can't say that no i'm gonna take that back i'm gonna walk that back because i'm wrong imperial sports city i already had their wings i knew how they were gonna be i didn't know how mulberry's wings were gonna be just like this place i didn't know how these place i don't know how these wings are gonna be when we had them in a few minutes but i'll say this i can almost guarantee you now let's just say if you have a hundred places, and let's just assume that these wings were average, middle of the pack. Say fifty out of hundred. You know what I mean? If you took this place, these wings, and I'm just using this place as an example, and you go down like to Florida where I live, yeah, or they're I elite. came
2: from Pittsburgh, and that's yeah, the exact same. Exactly, situation. Yeah. They,
1: they instantly become elite. I mean, the 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 average decent wing in Buffalo. Is an elite wing in almost any other city in this country.
2: And what's what amazes me? I have so many friends. Since I'm not from here, a lot of my friends aren't from here. So they always ask me, "Is it really that big of a difference?" Yeah, it's that big of a difference. You can't you can't measure the two. You can't.
1: Wings aside, wings aside, we'll get, we'll put them aside. Pittsburgh, Buffalo. Do you see a lot of similarities in terms of just like the city? Maybe not necessarily the just size, but just the character, and styles of the city. Are they the same? Or are they different? Like, I've always thought about that because Pittsburgh is a blue collar town as well.
2: I think that when it comes to the people and that, in that sense, that there are similarities. Uh, Pittsburgh is obviously a lot bigger, but I think the people, um, it being, you know, I think that not only do people in Buffalo have sort of a chip on their shoulder being that industrial town, I think mm-hmm. that Pittsburgh's the same way in, in that regard because, you know, a lot of people overlook those two cities and they're both great in their own unique ways um what else and obviously the passionate the sports fans are very similar in a lot of ways they're insane which is is high of a compliment i, I can give anybody um when it comes to sports and, and that sort of you know thing but i love both they're both are so they're very different but they are very similar in a lot of ways that know, makes sense
1: so you've been around for a while you're you're still young but you've been around for a while 31 <laughs> is 31 all right and uh Most people know this by now, but for those who don't, Lance came to Buffalo from Pittsburgh, but Lance did not cover the Penguins for Pittsburgh. Not primarily, anyway. He covered the Pirates. Lance came from the baseball world. I get, we've kind of talked about this before, but (laughs) professionally, I mean, covering the Pirates and now the Sabres, it's like, uh, don't get me wrong. Now, you're not a fan of either team, so it's your job to cover the team, so you really don't give a shit, you know, if they're good or not. But, just saying, I mean, you've had the opportunity to cover two of uh, the, the not-so-great franchises. I'll, I will tell you this. When, it, when
2: I was lucky when I was around the Pirates because it was the last little stretch of them being somewhat competitive, Decent. right? They were just okay. holding on to being mediocre. Now they're terrible. So the stories were more compelling. The players were awesome. I covered a lot of young guys on that team. Um, Garrett Cole was there late in my tenure, but like Tyler Glassdown, Jameson on a lot of... A lot of good players who are really great to deal with, but mm-hmm. what was, you know, I guess, sort of disappointing in Pittsburgh is that the Pirates are the they're the third team in that town and by a by a significant margin behind the Penguins and the Steelers. But coming here, even though the Sabers haven't made the playoffs in ten years and most of this town is completely upset and just has had enough at this point, people still love them. They may not admit it, but. I mean, I see how many people read our read our coverage of the Sabres, how many people follow along on Twitter, how upset they get, even at sure. the most minuscule move, and it just goes to show you that I mean, people still love that team, which has made it so enjoyable to cover them for three years at this point. Yeah, as
1: bad as the Sabres are, fans haven't thrown them out of the house. They're making them sleep on the couch. You know, they get in the nasty fight, and you're sleeping your ass on the it's couch. It's a hockey town, right? It is, it is a hockey town. It's a suffering, funny that I use that word to say it, but it, it is a suffering uh, hockey town right now. Now, speaking of hockey, and we'll talk Sabres after the break as well. But, like, professionally, at this point, you still don't know, like, what protocols and everything, how it's going to be. I'll, we talked a little bit about just some of the difficulties that you have. Not you, everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, who covers the team full-time like you do? Who covers the beat? Having to deal with guys through Zoom and You know, having to go do a lot of stuff to be able to just to get these interviews and then you only get one or two questions and everybody's got to get theirs in. So we've already talked about some of the difficulties that come with that job for you. Have you had any indication yet that things are going to be different this year? Any idea yet?
2: I'm hopeful based on what we've seen from the Bills in terms of, you know, they they're not doing Zooms. I mean, even with the Sabres, we've gotten Kevin Adams in person a few times, which is a a step up. But in terms of locker room access, Unfortunately, we haven't received any clarity, and I'm starting to lose some hope based on the mask mandates that are starting to get put in place. Um, it stinks. The one, the one thing we're missing, and I mean, I'll speak for myself, is that just being able to develop relationships with some of these guys, it's a whole new team. Yeah. I mean, with Sam Reinhardt gone, ristalinen gone, Jack on his way out. It's going to be a young group, and a a lot of that room I haven't met in person yet, which it stinks. It stinks when it comes to getting the best story for readers and being able to really tell the story of that team this year.
1: Was it a little bit – It's not necessarily weird, but certainly different even just with that Kevin Adams presser, just to have the opportunity to uh, to be there and see other people, some of your peers that you work with, just to be able to kind of mingle a little bit with some of them.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's also hilarious because reporters, it's easier to get a follow-up question in, so Kevin Adams couldn't escape the Mike Harrington follow-up when it came to draft day (laughs) with some of the, the more difficult questions when it came to Sam Reiner or Jack Heichel. I can't remember, but I mean, that part of it's hilarious and- I mean, the one part that's really enjoyable at this job is being able to interact with the people that you cover the team with. As much as they are competition, you know, like John Waro, just to name one, or a few other, you know, just to name one. It's still enjoyable to just banter back and forth. We all do the same job, right? We're all dealing with the same circumstances, so it it, it can be a good time. There could be some good laughs, uh, especially in that in that setting, for sure.
1: I would. Uh- <laughs> I would surmise that I also banter with John Wuerl. However, that banner is probably not as friendly <laughs> <laughs> as yours is with him, but you are right. I mean, I have gotten to know one of, one of my favorite things about doing this podcast out for well over three years and having the opportunity to pretty much at this point, I've interviewed almost everybody from the sports media. Sabres and bills is the relationships are good. Whether it's the Sabres or the bills and they're not just bullshit. Like, it's easy to get on a microphone. If, if, if there's a mic in front of your face or a camera in front of your face, it's easy to say, oh, we all get along really good. They do. I mean, there's an exception here, an exception there. But for the most part, the Buffalo sports media is, is a pretty tight-knit group. Obviously competitive. Yeah, but, of course. But still very tight-knit, especially compared to conversations I've had with people, you know, other cities. This is one of the more tight-knit media communities. It's It's –
2: it's always interesting to observe the differences between the Bills beat and the Sabres beat because on the Sabres beat, it tends to skew older. I am me and uh, I know Jordan LaBarbera, LaBarbera, who covers them for the Sabres, com. Mm-hmm. We are by far the youngest on the beat, and most of everybody else is older. On the Bills side, it's a much younger group, and I, I feel like they're much closer than, than we are just because of the age dynamics. So. <laughs> It is interesting. You you don't have a lot of hate or a lot of uh, ill will uh, between groups, but um, it's always good. Like I said, we're in the same circumstances. We're all sort of chasing the same stories most of the time.
1: Yeah, the Sabres media, the most part, is older and grumpy. Yeah, either. it is. Yeah, and by the way, I am totally team Mike. Everybody, yeah. <laughs> I know Mike is one of those love him hate him kind of dudes, man. I, I've had him on. I actually had wings with him at Amherst Hill House a couple years ago. I like him. And the other one is Paul, of course. Paul Hamilton is, uh, you know, the, the block king on Twitter. But I tell you what, and I, I, I get asked a lot, like, who are your favorite interviews that you've ever had on this show? And I'm going to tell you, man, honestly, Paul, I had Paul Hamilton on one time. and never had a conversation with him in my entire life yeah. before he was on the podcast. So I figured, man, this guy's just going to give me some quick answers, and is, I'm going to have to stretch to try to get 30, 40 minutes out of him. Do so we went for an hour. He was absolutely engaging and great storyteller. If he's engaged with something, he's really, really good. Now his personality on Twitter, eh, that ain't for me, and it ain't apparently it ain't for nobody because he blocks everybody. But he is really good at what he does. And I, I, like for, I, think he's I respect
2: guy. everybody who's come before me. I mean, Paul's been around that that team and that franchise for a long time. The same goes for Mike. The same goes for John Vogel. Those guys have seen it all. So. You know what? When it comes to doing the job, I know how difficult it is to cover a team like that when they're struggling as much as they, are, you know, they have since I've even gotten here. So you know what? All the respect to him. And when it comes to Mike, you know, the one I know that he catches a lot of heat on Twitter, and he's, you know, some people don't necessarily like his covers. But you know what? Every, I would say, every major hockey market and their fan base. Would love to have somebody who would actually, especially in the Sabre situation, be willing to step up and question and call and call out the team for some of the stuff that we've ex- we've seen the Sabres do at least at least during, since my time here, right? Yeah, I, mean, I, I
1: agree, and Mike deserves- a lot of
2: papers are missing that sort of calmness or that sort of dynamic on the beat, and it's necessary because if not, the team gets away with a lot more. I Absolutely, tell you that.
1: I agree with everything you just said. Some of the heat Mike gets on Twitter he deserves. And, I, and I've and I've told him that, man. He gets a little too engaged and a little too saucy sometimes with fans. But uh, Got to ignore man, some people, he, he, I he's, guess. He's, but. Listen, he's really good at what he does. And uh, I, and he absolutely holds people accountable in the organization. And I love that about him. All right. So, anyway, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break. Hair word from our sponsors. Lance and I are going to, I mean, this is, again, Find Our Wings Club. We're going to try, what is it? Seven, one, six wings. Yeah, and those start. are
2: hot buffalo, so that, let's let's see what happens there. I am in trouble here, you man. Know?
1: And then the uh, Jamaican, Jamaican jerk. Those, jerk. All those are grilled, by
2: the way. Different dynamic.
1: <laughs> so we'll be back again. Neither of us have had this. We're going to give you an honest critique. And I do mean honest, man. We're not going to kiss ass just because we're here. We're going to give an honest critique. We'll be back right after this. Plus some Sabre stuff coming up right after this message. All right, we're back. Beltline, Lance Lazowski with me, um, dude. I'm at a loss for words. Pat. <laughs> my mouth, my <laughs> mouth is tingly right now. My mouth is tingly, man. I wish people could see instead of just having to listen to this. Um, man. All right, so we we had three different flavors. We had seven one six. We had. What, why do I keep thinking it Jamaican, is Jamaican jerk? jerk. Those we are grilled wings. Grilled wings, Big Jamaican jerk. Big detail to include there. Yes. And then some kind of secret shit that was um, all dressed, all dressed,
2: which was barbecue based, not to give away secrets, but there was also some, a lot of spices involved there that, Inca-
1: yeah, they were incredible. Yeah. Did not even know those were coming out. No, I, I thought we were getting just he, the jerk wings J- and the seven. John us. Those were incredible. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, and, and I, and I truly mean this and I'm not just saying it's nobody here. hear me. It's not like people, a bunch of people around listening to what we're saying right now. I mean, this, honest to God. In terms of specialty flavor wings, those might be top five of wings that I, I can had. believe it. They're that good. They're but but we got to talked about it. It's also it's kinda of like how we feel about having some like seltzer beers. Like I could only have <laughs> a, a handful of them and then my heart might start burning a little bit. Like those were kicking, man. Those were kicking. They were man. And and here's another take too. The seven one six wings. And I think you agreed with me on this. Yeah. We were kind of thinking the same thing, and I said it, that we were at the table eating. I'm like, thinking to myself, these kind of, sort of, taste like barbell, which is ironic because we were talking about that earlier.
2: No, and they were, in- I know you didn't try the blue cheese. Blue cheese is also phenomenal. How about which a blue I, cheese guy? Uh,
1: oh, my God, Pat. What, what is going on with you? I know. I <laughs> know.
2: It's like blue cheese in Buffalo.
1: I don't. I don't no, like
2: it. No, they were really good. Um, labeled as hot, but not too hot, right? More of like the medium you, you get at a lot of different places, including barbell, in my opinion.
1: Right. I would say those were like medium slash hot. Yeah. I always could tell, man, because I can only take spice and so much and because I get sweaty pretty easily. And I was comfortable, but not too sweaty. Now, those all dressed. That's where this heat's coming from. Like, my nose is still running a little bit right now as we're taping this. I'm telling you, those were top five. Yeah, the 716 were really good. Nick, they kind of reminded me a little bit of Barbell. The the jerk wings were decent. They're all right. I mean, I, uh, it's a grilled
2: wing, which you, that's that's an important aspect yeah. to put yeah, in yeah. there, right? It, it's, just, it's a different flavor. The char is in there. The char was good. In terms of grilled wings, I thought they were
1: good. Yeah, they were good. Yeah. The only problem is, uh, kind of like when I talked to you about Mulberry at the beginning of the show, it's like, all right, well, these wings are great, but if you go to Mulberry, you go to get the Italian food. <laughs> yeah, that's I right. I kind of feel true. like those were really good, but they didn't seem as good because the 716 and especially those all-dressed were they just... They had no
2: chance stacking up against those <laughs> two flavors. But, yeah. um, no, those... In terms of... I, I had somebody comment to me. I, we posted a picture on Twitter, each of us did, yeah. and somebody commented to me that... The Beltline has the best brewery food in Buffalo. And after having it, after having food at all the other breweries that I, or most of the breweries in Buffalo, I absolutely agree. Well, best brewery food by, I, and by a mile. Those wings are awesome.
1: Well, I'll tell you, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I really haven't um, been to other breweries to, to try food to back that up. But I'll tell you this this place, absolutely for me, has set the bar pretty freaking high. Yeah. Man. I can man. believe that. Really good. Elite. Man. Elite. All right. So Beltline, there it is. Beltline Brewery and Kitchen. Swan Street, kick-ass wings, man. Yeah,
2: it's a good spot. Outdoor seating, this is a good spot. And
1: again, we were talking a little bit, Lance, and and I said that I was a little bit nervous because I don't like not knowing if wings are going to be good if we're going to talk about them on the podcast because the last thing I ever want to do is saying negative stuff. So even if I didn't like the wings, I would be like, I'll always find something to talk up. You
2: would tell if we, the, the listener would tell if you were dancing right, around right. the comp, you know. Right.
1: I'm not dancing around at all. <laughs> come here, go get 20 wings, go get 10 716, go get 10 all dressed. You're going to be good to go. Yeah. Man, for yes. For sure. All right. Speaking of, uh, well, I mean, this isn't even a real segue. There is no good segue to talk Sabres hockey, man. We're on a high right now. You're sitting there, <laughs> a beer. Nice vibes, good, great, perfect weather. The garage, like I said, the the the, the door is still kind of open. We just had some awesome wings. That all goes to shit because now we got we do, you <laughs> know, talk about the Sabers. So you know what? Let me ask you this, man. We're not gonna spend a ton of time talking Sabers today because you do it all the time. But even with it being your job, okay. Do you get sick of being asked about Jack Eichel at this point? Like, for an example, I know, like, on Twitter, you put out, for, you know, you every week when you have your mailbag.
2: I only said that because I don't want, because the first seven questions are Jack Eichel. That's what and I'm after i put about. After I put that, no, people added different questions, which I appreciated <laughs> uh, greatly. I always appreciate participation, but it's not that I'm sick of that, but... I I don't want to rehash the same details, right? Everything we know is out there right now, and we all know the Sabres are in a very very difficult spot, and nothing has really changed. I mean, Jack Eichel is not going to change his mind about that surgery. The Sabres aren't changing their mind about the surgery. We can all have our own personal opinions on what the team should do, what Jack Eichel should do, but the fact of the matter is he's he's not playing another game in a Sabres uniform. It's over.
1: It is, but do you think that this is something that, it could still drag out for a while.
2: Absolutely, it could absolutely drag on. I know that he doesn't want it to because I know I've gotten to know Jack Eichel as as well as any member of the media can over the last three years, and I know he wants to play in the Olympics badly. It's something he's dreamed about since he was little, and since the NHL has they haven't a, it hasn't been official, but the schedule has an Olympic break built in, so we are led to believe the NHL is going. If the NHL is going, Jack Eichel wants to go. And the Sabers' preferred surgery for him is a six-month recovery. He's not participating in the Olympics if he has that fusion. So he wants to have that surgery. So he wants us done immediately, not only for that reason, but to get accustomed to his team. But Kevin Adams is not budging. He's going to wait for the best offer he thinks is going to come. But I would caution him to not dig in too deep here because I don't know how good the offer is going to be.
1: That's what I'm saying. Like, as time goes on... And- are, are offers going to get better? It's it's hard to imagine, like, whoever whatever offers out there right now, and I obviously don't know what the offers actually are, which is a bunch of rumors or stuff that we read or hear about, but are the offers going to get better? Like, it feels to me like if Kevin Adams is playing chicken right now, man, I, I feel like he's not going to win in the end.
2: I know how badly he wa- he wants to win here. Kevin Adams wants to build a winner. He's from here. He knows how how important that team is to the community. He's trying hard and he's done a lot of good good things this off season and even drag even going into last offseason. but this is a really tough one. He knows that if you screw up a Jack Eichel trade, it can really it can really tarnish not only your legacy as a general manager, but it can screw up your entire plan to build a winner here. If you get this wrong, good luck recovering from it.
1: Yeah. Do you think, though, does it feel to you like both sides, not just, I don't want to just, this isn't just all bad sabers and great good guys. but this is, do you feel like this is one of those cases right now where it almost seems like both sides want each other to look bad, like they're trying to yeah. make each other the bad guy, or waiting for the other one side to do something, you know? Each, each
2: side is trying to control the narrative, which is why what we've seen from Jack Eichel's agents with the statements, I don't think it's a coincidence at all that suddenly Jack Eichel has been spotted in back-to-back days, skating in Boston with other pro players. And it looks – you could tell that it's Jack Eichel. He's shooting the puck fine. He looks healthy. It's not full contact, but he's at least skating. He's at least engaging in pretty high, intense activity, which is a, a signal to teams who are interested, like, hey, this guy isn't as injured as you may think he is in this procedure. And that's why his his surgeon went on the 31 Thoughts podcast with Sportsnet, Sportsnet's Elliot Friedman. They're trying to put the message out there that Jack Eichel isn't as, as bad a shape as some people might think he is.
1: Do you think? All right, look, try to pretend you're a fan for a second, and obviously you're not. Not only of are course, you, no. I can I can put that lens on for a yeah, moment. Put that lens on right now. Like, what side are you taking in the fence? And again, it's a little unfair to ask you because you're you know you're a little more plugged in than especially in the, obviously than the average person. But from the fan perspective, like, what side of this do you take? Are you more mad at Jack Eichel? Are you more mad at the Sabers?
2: I'll tell you what I've observed, and then what I've observed, is it's really split. Some people want Jack to just do what the team tells him and have surgery, which I think goes to the classic point of view of a sports fan that the athlete needs to do what the athlete is told because he's he or she is making a certain amount of money that goes sure. above and beyond what us normal folks make, but. I also see the side that says, well, why won't the Sabres just approve the guy's surgery, right? He wants to have it. Can't they come up with some agreement that protects the Sabres in some sort of insurance or some sort of liability way? I don't think either side is completely wrong. I think that they need they need to work together because if they work separately like they are right now, they're not going to get a deal done. They just aren't. They need to come together and release not only the medical records to the teams that are inquiring about his, about his availability. There needs to be open and honest conversations about between both sides. If the Sabres are going to get the best deal possible and if Jack Eichel's going to get what he wants.
1: The biggest criticism from fans who um, are not Jack Eichel fans or fans who are mad at him or want him going is that he. nobody can deny his, his excellence on the ice. He's a great player, but the the criticism is from people, mainly people who have no idea, they're just assuming. But that he's a shitty leader, man. That he's a lousy leader, that he's... um. You hear about him not being a, an asset to the clubhouse, and I'm kind of putting that mildly. These are just some things that you hear. Do you feel like there's validity to that at all? And, like, again, obviously, Lance, you know he's a great player. I know he's a great player, and, and you're the hockey guy, and I'm not. But is there some validity to you that maybe maybe some people, fans, go too far when maybe he is a great player, but maybe he shouldn't have been captain? Maybe he's just not leadership I think, material?
2: Pat, I think he got rushed into the role, and I think there's no question about that. Um each general manager that's been here since Jack Eichel has been drafted second overall in twenty fifteen has tried to surround him with prominent like leaders, people who have been there and done that, whether it's Brian Gianta, Jason Palmanville, you know, even somebody like Connor Sherry, who won Stanley Cups in Pittsburgh, they've tried to surround not only Jack Eichel but Sam Reinhart with proven winners, people who have been there, done that. It didn't work. I think that sometimes a twenty two year old just isn't isn't ready to be captain. It just, and it's nothing on a 22-year-old. I remember when I was like a 22, right? Especially when you're carrying the weight of a city on your shoulders in some respect. So it's a lot of pressure, especially when you have to carry that team a lot of nights like he has. That being said, I think a lot of teams, and we've heard this reported, that are wondering how is he going to fit into our locker room. So if he goes into a place that already has an established leadership group, Jack's going to be fine. He shouldn't be put in a situation where he's to go in there and be the captain again. But I think what's getting lost in all this fact is that people get so soaked up in, you know, what Jack Eichel did last season, they, they do forget how good of a hockey player he is and why he is worth some of these prospects that fan bases like, no, you can't have, you know, uh Philip Chiegel. No, he's a Jack Eichel is one of the top 10 centers in the National Hockey League when he's healthy.
1: If there's one thing where I could say I I think both sides is fair is when it comes to his leadership role and his captain, I agree with you 100%. I think it was a little unfair for Jack Eichel at his age, despite all of his enormous talents, maybe to be put in that position before maybe he was mature enough or ready to, which is fine. And not everybody should have a C on their jersey, regardless of how great you are at playing the sport. But from the Sabres aspect, and again, I don't defend the Sabres very often these days, but I will say this, man, you spent essentially two years tanking for the, and you end up with Jack Eichel. He's your franchise player. He's literally the face of the franchise. One of the, the best uh, on-ice players, at least talents, that this franchise has ever had. How do you not put a C on him? How do you, how do you not do that? Uh, especially, I understand
2: that. And there, it's you couldn't just have no captain for a couple of years, right? I mean, teams usually only do that for a year mm-hmm. while you groom some, which is what I expect the Sabres to do next season when Jack Eichel isn't on the team. And they were about to pay him a handsome amount of money, and they wanted him to take it and grow into that role, which, let's face it, I mean, Sidney Crosby, it's tough to compare the two because they're very different people. Um, But Crosby had to grow into that role, and it it wasn't snap of the fingers, see on the chest, that he was automatically the Sidney Crosby we know him to be. Um, So there was hope that he would grow into it. And to be quite honest with you, I think that he did a really much better job, a really good job in leadership in the 20... 19-20 nineteen twenty season when he did score thirty six goals. I really do think he did. I think the body language got cleaned up. I think a lot of the stuff on the ice, a lot of the conversations we saw on the bench were a lot more positive, a lot better. What you want to see from a captain, but there was steep regression last season, which kind of showed you that was a signal to me that this is going to end soon. It really sure. is.
1: Now there was a time I remember again when a lot not all fans have turned so I don't want to say that, but the fans had have turned on Jack Eichel I'd be willing to bet there was a time where a lot of them liked the fact that Jack was showing so much emotion on the ice, smashing his stick against the goalpost. You know, when they lose a game or a bad goal or whatever. There was a time where people liked that, and now, yeah, like you said, there, it, it, it just it doesn't work. They turn on him, and it's just it's the way it goes. Now the leadership. Now going forward, Jack's gonna be gone. Sam already is gone. But Selena's is already gone. Where does where the leadership? Who's in that group right now? Going forward,
2: it's 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 going to be a very fascinating situation. My opinion, they're going to challenge Dylan Cousins and Rasmus Dahlin. One of you earn it. Yeah, they're not going to have anybody wear that C this season. I wouldn't think as soon as Jack Eichel is traded. I bet you it's Kyle Lockposo and somebody else who has an A on their chest. Um. That's a question of who that is. I Maybe maybe Colin Miller, if he sticks around, who knows, because they have nobody else on that decor who's very old. But I think it's going to be Darlene or Cousins, and I think that both of them are in a really good spot. I mean, Darlene, his his rookie year, we saw the smashing of the stick. We saw a lot of those habits, and we saw it at Jack Eichel for years. Sure. Well, Darlene cleaned him up after a year. He didn't do that anymore, You're right? The body language is a lot better, and it's a guy who wants to be a leader. So I think that... You know, people want to compare this to the tank back in 2014, you know, leading into the Reinhardt and Eichel draft years. But you know what? Those teams didn't have a, a core like they do now with Darlene, Cousins, Middlestad. No, it's not as strong as probably the Sabres would like or the the fans would like, but it's a start. And that's why they need to add to that by the cycle trade. They have to get it right.
1: Yeah, and I don't look, I don't think there's any way that this team's going into the season tanking like they did years ago. But I think this is a fair question to ask you answer. There's certainly other bad teams in the NHL right now, but I'm paper is, is Buffalo the worst or
2: really close I, to it. I would pick Arizona as the worst. I mean, right now they only have one goalie. <laughs> that kind of helps things and, and you know. Right. One goalie, they're trying to trade, a, you know, they got rid of their captain, they don't have a lot of star power. Connor Garland's gone. So I would say Arizona's at the bottom, but the Sabres have to be the probably number two uh, on the power rankings right now. No, hey, if Dylan Cousins comes out and scores 30 goals and show, and takes that huge leap, sure, I mean, that really helps you. But right now, we only saw Casey Middlestad perform well for a month. We only saw Dylan, Bryson Staline gain form for a month. Dylan Cousins dealt with a lot of injuries and didn't score goals at the rate that he wanted to. So it's unproven talent. You know, it's talent, but... There's a lot of questions there, so I'm not picking them to finish you know, better than 31st in the league right now.
1: All right. Well, so organizationally, we both agree that they're not tanking. They're not going to lose on purpose. And in this year's draft, of course, they took Owen Power first overall. There wasn't no slam dunk consensus, number one, throughout the season going into the draft. That's probably not the case this time around with Shane Wright. <laughs> If the Sabres get off to a shitty, miserable start the first month of the year, are we going to start to see fans on Twitter already clamoring for oh, people suck will. for Shane and all these kinds I, of campaigns? I think it's
2: going to start from day one because I, I think that fans, even though Reinhardt and Ristalina got traded, they were still hopeful that the Sabres would use that cap space to sign guys in free agency. I tried to warn them, but you can't you can't warn Hope, right? They want to they want hope that the Sabres are going to try to add talent around those guys. It didn't happen. I knew it wasn't. So they're going to go young. Um, I think they got the perfect coach for this situation. I will add that. I think there's... They did well in free agency with the type of players they were targeting. I don't... I think they're going to get pushed around a lot. I think they're going to be very easy to play against. There's not enough toughness on that team, but they're very skilled. I'll give them that.
1: Is it fair, like, to say, as a fan, and I'm saying this as a fan, the most frustrating thing about this organization right now is you have... The positive takeaways from last year which i liked granado obviously some yep. of the younger guys played much better underneath the middle stat and thompson Asplin, but a bunch of those guys dalene and yokihara look completely different once kruger was gone so you got those young guys man and then you say to yourself okay sam Reinhart proved that he's capable of even being a 1c if he has to be he's probably not ideal for him but he showed he can handle it he had a really good year so you had that, and then you get a healthy and motivated Jack Eichel back, and you're like,
3: yo, yeah. this is a pretty
1: good team. You got a good goalie in Mark that you have the ability to resign. It was like, it felt like when the season ended, even though, uh, well, we'll talk about that next, <laughs> shortly after. But the day the season ended, when I mean, you had that mindset, you're like, well, this could be a pretty good team going competitive or going forward. To me, that's like the most frustrating part because it felt like they were And the cusp was something good.
2: And what you mentioned that, that's why I think that there was, I still left the door open for Ristolainen to return because I think that he genuinely saw a glimmer of light when it came to those final weeks of the year. And it's not like he was demanding to be out of town. But when it comes to Reinhardt, he had already told the Sabres, I'm not signing another contract here. Mm -hmm. So the clock was already ticking. And when it came to Jack, he had already expressed that, I don't want to be back here.
1: Were you surprised Locker clean-out day, I guess that's what we'll call it. It was just Zoom pressers. But, like, that was very telling, especially to the average fan. I mean, you might know some inner workings going on, but for the way Sam sounded and the way, especially Jack, I mean, the way huh. he sounded and Ristolain sounded, it was like that felt right at that moment. I'm like, everything I just told you about a minute ago, I'm like, well, that shit ain't happened
2: I, I had a really good feeling Ristolain was gone the moment that Ralph Kerr was fired because Ristolain was tired of different coaches. As much as I know that he liked Granato, he was tired of it, and he saw he saw what was going on with the core of that team in terms of Michael and Reinhardt. And I knew Reinhardt was gone uh, the last practice of the season when he was given the Rick Martin Award, and I just saw – you see body language. You, sure. you see how people react to certain situations, and that was the day that I saw this is this is the last we're seeing of Sam Reinhardt in Buffalo. Right. I wouldn't say that – I wasn't going to say at the time, but I knew that Sam was, was ready for a change, and you know what? He earned it. You know, for – People, you know, the fans of the media could say what they want about Sam Reinhart. you know, his play on the ice, maybe his demeanor in interviews, but you know what? When that team went in in the gutter and they lost eighteen in a row, that guy played he played he played his ass off every night, for a sure. lack of a better term, Pat. He did. And I think when somebody wants to change a scene or you can handle it one of two ways, you can pat, you can mope and you can sort of just wait for the change or you can earn that change. And Sam earned that change. He earned the opportunity that he got in Florida and all, all the credit to him for playing the way that he did under those circumstances.
1: Completely agree. Uh, speak about the defense for a couple of minutes. Obviously, an overhaul with the unit, Butcher, um, Mark Pysik, uh who else they got? Brandon, uh, it's,
2: they That is, in my opinion, the strength of this team going into the next season as a long rate. as they don't do anything because, I mean, not only do you have Dolly and Yoki Haru, they went and they got Will Butcher, who was an all-rookie selection with the Devils, you know, not even four years ago with that really, really good 44-point year with with them. You know, he's a Hobie Baker award winner, really good on the power play. He solidifies that top power play unit and them going out and getting Butcher tells me that Owen Powers going back to Michigan this season. Yeah, getting that left-shot defenseman with that skill set, who's going to want that power play time. Butcher Butcher's going to be on the team. Uh, Power's going back to the Wolverines. But they also got Robert Hag, who's going to help really replace what they lost with McCabe a little bit. Mark Pissick's a good buy-low candidate who needs to prove that he can play defense in the NHL and get that next contract to take him into his 30s. And he wants to be here. He understands what it's like to be here. Um, who else have they got? They got hit th- those two... Um,
1: I know they don't got Colin Miller is coming. I'm curious
2: to see what they do with Colin Miller. <laughs> yeah. Um, Is he going to be traded? Because there's going to be interest there. I, I was surprised that Seattle chose him and didn't choose him and they chose Will Borgen, but there's a good group there. M- Matthias Samuelson and Jacob Bryson won't be rushed to the NHL now. Oscar Elaxon won't be rushed to the NHL now. So not only are they to set themselves up to have a good group on the back end in Buffalo, but that defense core in Rochester is going to be really fun to watch. And I hope that they're patient with them because that team, the Amherst. Can be really good. They got some good talent.
1: When it comes to the two young guys, Middlestadt and, and Cousins, they both showed a lot of promise last year. Of course, little bit. Are you a little concerned though that well, one of them more than likely are going to be like that first line center that are going to have to eat up first line minutes? Here, you, you think they're ready to handle here's that?
2: Here's my concern. They needed. I think that they needed to add another center in free agency. Now maybe they're going to. Th- Throw Hinojosa in that role, or somebody else that we don't know about yet. Mm-hmm. But they needed somebody that at least in, at, in home games can handle tough defensive matchups. Um, based on their roster moves, it tells me that maybe Zemgus Girgensons is going to play center and and be that defensive line center that they need. But you need to set up these you know cousins of Middlestad to be in situations where they can gain confidence. Yes, you want them to face Crosby and top tier centers Bergeron, you know, night in and night out in certain certain nights, but You also need to put them in a situation where they can score goals and feel good about themselves and make plays. Because if they're facing Crosby and Bergeron and guys like that every night, it's going to be exhausting. It's going to eat away at them. Um, I think that they did a good job in free agency bringing in guys with good attitudes um, surrounding those young guys with players that can develop a new culture in that room, which they desperately needed to do. But on ice, yeah, I think that I would hope, You know, I think fans desperately hope that there's more to be done there, especially down the middle. If they lose Eichel,
1: now obviously Sam getting traded didn't shock you. Ristolainen getting traded didn't shock you. Jack on his way out, none of that shocks you. But are you a little bit shocked at the way the goaltending situation is? I, I didn't think
2: I didn't think Salmark would go to the Boston Bruins. You're I right. thought that there was there was certainly a possibility he was going to leave, and the Sabers were preparing for that possibility. Surveying the goalie market, but when we are looking at the teams that wanted a goalie and could afford to pay what he wanted, I thought, well, who's going to beat Buffalo's asking price? Well, Buffalo chose not to beat that asking price. They didn't want to overpay Allmark because this is his prime and they're not going to be good during that prime. Right. And they want Lukicin to take that starting job as soon as possible. They're hoping that it happens at camp. I think that they would be wise to delay it a little bit. Is that
1: reasonable for him to win the job at camp?
2: I think he can do it. I mean, the kid's got all the talent that you want in a starting goaltender. But and that's why they signed Craig Anderson. You know, if Lukicin takes that starting job, they wanted a backup in place to be able to mentor Lukicin. And Craig Anderson's forty years old. He's played seventeen years in the National Hockey League. He's the exact type of guy you want, but you also need somebody who's not going to force Lucan to play 40, you know, 60 games in a season because I think at this point in Anderson's career, he's a 20 to 30 game guy if you're lucky. He
1: was a four game guy last year,
2: well, yeah, right on the, on the but he did spot. get, there was a lot of positive reviews from people I spoke to around the capitals organization about how he took those young goalies under their wing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And that was a big factor in the Sabres bringing him in when they lost out on Allmark. But
1: So you think that has something to do with why they brought him in? Maybe. For absolutely. What could do for and that's the why they guys? brought in
2: Aaron Dell in a two-way contract, because you know what, if, if Luke comes into camp and he earns the job, they're going to let him have it. Yeah. They're going to give it to him. And I, I'm, I would caution them with that because that team's not going to be very good. Right. Especially defensively. I still don't think it's going to be very good. Those forwards have a steep learning curve taking on some of the matchups they're going to see in that division. And goalies, their confidence can be shaken quickly. We've seen young goalies come in a league and develop scars that were really difficult to overcome, like Jacob Markstrom when he was down in Florida. Took him years to overcome that situation. So. You know he's got a really good goalie coach in Mike Bales, but that's a tough situation to walk into for a 22 year old.
1: Last uh, last couple questions here. Give me a, a guy or two that you feel good about um, going forward in the season that you think has a chance to to take a nice step. i not necessarily become a star, but maybe somebody that's a little bit not necessarily, yeah, maybe a little bit under the radar. Somebody that you think is is going to be okay. a pleasant surprise.
2: Um, I'll I'll give you. A... Let me um. I will give you in the four group Rasmus Asplund because he is a guy who can slip in and play center. He's going to kill penalties. I think that there's a lot more offense to his game than he's being given credit for. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why they gave him a two-year contract and and protected him from the expansion draft. I think that he's going to be a guy who takes that step. Um, let me do a quick – and I think Anders Bjork is somebody that – he came in in the Taylor Hall trade. He has a reputation for being what scouts would call a soft skill, which is he doesn't go to the net enough. He plays too much on the perimeter. But I think with Granado as coach in this system, hopefully with some more power play time, because I think that shot can be quite the weapon on the power play for him, I think he's a guy that's going to contribute more than people on the outside might might think.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, last question here. Let's say one year from now, all right, Lance and I are back here at Beltline. Killing more of those wings, man. Those all, oh my God, those all dressed wings. I could eat. I can't, I can't stop thinking about them. All right, but seriously, a year from now, we have a conversation, and I tell you, I went to Vegas. I made a bet who was the Sabres' leading scorer, and I won money. So if you had to bet right now, like, and when the season's over, who's going to have the most points on this year's upcoming Buffalo Sabres?
2: I'll, I'll put Casey Middlestad. I, I think I saw enough from him offensively to where I can pick him to be the guy. He's going to be on the top power play. I'm really curious to see how that group comes together with Eichel and Reinhardt on what the positioning is going to be like. But he's got the shot. He's got the skill. He's finally learned how to drive to the net. The defense has come a long way. Um, he's gonna be playing with some pretty good line mates who he's already had developed chemistry with. so that's my guy. I think in terms of points, it's gonna be close though because I think Dalenen's gonna be in that if he gets in that 10 to 15 goal range, um, he could be. I, I think Dallen's got 60 points in him this year. I really I really do with Granado's power play and the, the sort of guys they have on this team.
1: That would be fun to see for sure. All right, folks, that is gonna do it. Finer Wings club. Talk about a podcast, Beltline Brewery. My man, Lance zazowski from the Buffalo News. Make sure you check him out. Does great work. Him and Mike cover the Sabres beat. Thanks so much for doing this, man. This was fun, man. It was fun. It was this good. Was fun. This was you picked fun. a great
2: spot.
3: The wings were good, weren't they? They were tight. Yeah, you were good.